CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. And I pray that uh, you had a nice, wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. And again, so many things to be thankful for. You know, when we're thankful, it tunes us into the heart of God. And uh, I believe that is so important. People oftentimes say, I just wish I knew God's will for my life. Well, you know, all the way through the Bible, it says, Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you, implied in other places and outright verses in others. You see, when we take inventory of our blessings, then that tells us how we can use those blessings to bless others as we represent Christ here on this earth. And so being about our daddy's business is so important. We set this time aside every weekday afternoon answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events through a biblical perspective, and also what we hear in church is that even in the Bible at all, if you've been reading your Bible, come across something you don't understand, you want to ask a question about something you heard, somebody's asked you a question, well, that's why we're here. 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call, and you can be part of the program today. We have some lines open, so you're assured to get on if you call right now. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker here, Scott Parker from Festus, Missouri, Calvary Chapel. Hi and welcome, Scott. Hello, Mike. It's great to be with you today. Always a blessing to be with you. Look forward to answering some some uh, questions and mm-hmm. all the different things going on in our world. We have volcanoes going off. We have uh, snow in Idaho. We've got, oh man, I'll tell you, crazy stuff everywhere. What's it doing there in the heartland of America? Well, right now it's kind of calm here, Mike. It's actually not too bad for the Midwest right now. We, you know, earlier this month in November, Usually our snow really doesn't come anymore until Valentine's Day, which is really strange. Um, we don't usually get very much snow until February and March, but, um, at the beginning of this month, we had, uh, well, here in, here in town in Festus, we had three inches drop, but six inches all around us. And so we've already had, you know, what would be considered for us a considerable snowfall already in November, early in November. And um, that just doesn't line up, Mike, with with global warming. You know, I don't understand that. No, but, uh... yeah, I, you know, I think global warming <laughs> is such a hoax because it sure if is. it rains too much, global warming. If it doesn't rain at all, it's global warming. Global. If it's too hot, it's global warming. If it if it's too cold, it's it's global warming or climate change, whatever you want. They kind of got caught with the whole thing of global warming, yeah. So they changed it they to changed climate it change. But no matter what weather comes. It's all it's all a result of climate change. And yeah. that's why you know it just something's just not right. You know the guy that started the weather channel said that it was all uh it was all bogus too. Uh-huh. You know, the original, the original guy. So anyway, things that things that make you go hmm. Anyway, again, eighty eight. 88 ask CSN's a number to call if you want to be a part of today's program. And with that, we're gonna go to Shasta. In Arizona. Hi and welcome. Hi. Had a friend pass away, a previous military veteran passed away of suicide. And 
wondering how do we process that? How do we get through that? Well, you know, it's a very, very sad thing. People have asked me, do people that commit suicide go to heaven? And the Bible does not say they do. And the Bible doesn't necessarily say they don't. Uh, but I know this, whatever is not a faith is sin. And I believe we need to be very careful when we look at this particular topic, because uh, I've had people say, oh, yeah, yeah, they still go to heaven. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. And you're, you're starting to add to God's word, and I wouldn't do that. But on the other hand, I will say this. I think a lot of times people that uh, commit suicide, especially when we're talking about a believer, is just being overwhelmed with everything. And, you know, I think God's merciful to the mentally ill. And certainly to do something like that, I think, would put you in that position. Of course, for a person that's not a Christian, whether they die of suicide or old age or, or or a heart attack, it doesn't make any difference. If you die without Jesus Christ, his blood covering your sins, you're lost forever. And that's why today the Bible says is the appointed day of salvation. Now, remember one thing, if you're listening to this, and maybe you had Thanksgiving and people that you love very much are not around you anymore for whatever reason, and you feel lonely and you feel rejected and you feel like no one cares, first of all, God cares. And second of all, as a Christian, nothing is so constant as change. God brings things into our life according to his will. And though it may be dark and stormy one day, as it was for Jacob or Joseph in the prison there, um, interpreting the dreams for both the butler and the baker, completely forgotten about. <clears throat> when Pharaoh heard he can interpret dreams through the baker, uh, through, the, through the butler, uh, he was brought out and in one day he went from prison to prime minister. Nothing is so constant as change. And so, I, first of all, I want to encourage everybody, if you had a hard maybe holiday so far, always just keep trusting God. God is the great changer of our circumstances. So we look for that. Now, somebody that's committed suicide here, I, was this guy a, a, a believer? Did he profess Christ? Not to my knowledge, no. Well, then whether, like I say, whether he committed suicide or whether— he, um, he he died of old age. If you reject God, there's only one mediator, the Scripture tells us, between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. And um, to die in your sins um, is the ultimate is the ultimate loss, because we'll stand accountable for the life that we led. and And I believe this is why, again, it's so important. The Bible says, "For God so loved the world." And I think that's so important. He loved everybody. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. That's the heart of God. And I, I look for that in our lives. And so um, when you really have the Lord in your life, I think God just colors the world different. He just does. And causes to see things in the spirit. Your thoughts, Scott? Yeah, Mike. Uh, you know, this is always a difficult situation because um, not every situation when it comes to suicide is the same. And, um, you know, when we when we just go to the scriptures, uh, Shasta, and we just look at the Bible, what it has to say uh, just in, in its plain language, um, you know, we, we see this. 
uh, we, we see that suicide um, is, is the murder of oneself. Um, and we know that the Bible tells us in the very beginning, all the way back in the law of Moses and the 10 commandments that thou shalt not murder. Um, it's also uh, a sin. Number one, uh, it's also a sin that the person who commits it leaves themselves no opportunity to be able to confess it or repent of it. Uh, and, and here's another thing you see when you, when you look through the Bible and you see instances of suicide where people took their own lives, they were never good situations. Th- these were never people who were, who were walking with the Lord and who had the relationship with God in faith that they should have had. Uh, these were people who, um, you know, were, were basically sinful people. These were people who, um, you know, were again, didn't have that vital relationship with the Lord as they had, as they should have had. So what we see is it's never suicide in the Bible is never painted, uh, in a positive light at all. So that, that's the, the main plain thing about suicide when you look at it in scripture. Now, again, as Mike said, you know, when we're looking at this situation, uh, and your question about when you were like, you know, how how do we process this? How do we deal with this? Well, I think we need to deal with it, number one, in the light of truth. Uh, and, and that's what reality is. Truth is reality. And, and look at it for what the Bible has to say. But I think we also have to consider uh, many times the situations because, again, not every situation is the same. As Mike said earlier, um, you know, the Bible doesn't say. Uh, that that people who commit suicide are going to go to heaven, but it doesn't necessarily say that all of those who do are going to go to hell. So, you know, we we have to kind of look at the situation that, like what you were just saying, uh, you know, with this person who didn't know the Lord, then in this situation, because the person didn't know the Lord, that would have had no bearing because he was already estranged from the Lord. He was already uh, in a position where he was away from God. Um, and so, uh, really it would have no bearing in, in this, in this case of where he's going to go for eternity if he didn't accept Christ as his savior beforehand. Um, so I, and I really liked Mike's advice and what Mike was saying there, uh, to you about that. There, there is one scripture, um, Shasta, if, if, you know, you come upon this situation again and, and especially when, it's a situation where you are dealing with someone who either, you know, claimed to be a Christian or we knew were a Christian. And if for some reason, whatever the situation was, maybe they were dealing with depression, maybe they were dealing with mental illness um, or, you know, a whole host of things and they commit suicide. There, There is one scripture in Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, that I really like to share with people. And it simply says this. This is where where uh, Abraham is speaking to the Lord when the Lord told Abraham he's going to uh, destroy Sodom and uh, and Gomorrah. And it's interesting because Abraham had Lot there, had family there. This is the exchange where Abraham's asking God, "Hey, if there's you know fifty righteous, would you destroy the city?" And you know he, he goes all the way down to ten. And the Lord says, "Hey, if there are ten righteous there, I wouldn't." But there's something that then. That Abraham says in verse eight or in verse twenty-five of chapter eighteen, it's this: "It says, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked." And then he says this: "Far be it from you, shall not the judge of the earth do right?" 
Now that right there, that last part of that verse, shall not the judge of the earth do right, is one that we all really should take because that that is a principle. That's not just a scripture that's given to us in that context. When Abraham says that, that's a principle that shows us, like as Mike said, the heart of God. It shows us um, the the nature of God. That when God judges, God will always judge rightly. And he's the only one, especially, especially in these situations of suicide. You know, God is the only one who has all the information about that person. You know, we may have certain information about the person. And again, I'm talking about someone who, who, you know, appeared to be a Christian and believe in the Lord and then they commit suicide. What's interesting is, is only the Lord knows exactly what was going on in that person's mind and that person's heart. You know, we can know some of the information about a person when they commit suicide, and we try to make judgments based off of that. But God knows it all. He's omniscient. And the fact that he's omniscient means he is the only one who is able to make a perfect judgment every time. And I say this because, um, you know, my biological father, who I, I, I never got to meet, um, he committed suicide uh, when I was 10 years old. And after I found that out, then I learned, well, I'll never get to meet him now because he took his own life. Um, and I had a stepfather who also pretty much with, with drugs uh, committed suicide um, just by, uh, you know, the drug taking that he did. And the one thing that I lean on that gives me peace in this situation is just knowing this, that, you know, when my father and when my stepfather stand before the Lord, I know this, that whatever God, however God judges them, it's going to be right. And when I'm in heaven and I have the information that the Lord has and I see everything in the perspective that he's, he does, that in eternity, however he has to judge them, if he has to judge them and send them to hell and separate them from himself for eternity, or whether he allows them to spend eternity with him, I will know this. I will be in agreement with God's judgment because he does everything right. And I'll be honest with you, that scripture gives me a lot of peace uh, just knowing that, you know what, that when a person takes their own life, they're, they're, I mean, they're in God's hands now. It, it's, it's all up to God. And he has all the information that he needs to make a right judgment. And that should give us then the confidence to know that, okay, God's going to do right. And that should give us a, a certain amount of peace. So Mike. Amen. Shasta, I hope that, I hope that helps. Um, uh, so, um, Again, I think the most important thing that I can tell anybody is just be right with God. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Yes. Well, wonderful, Shasta. And I want to send you, um, I, I, this is the, starting this till we run out. I've got um, three Jesus movies I'm going to send you. It's the uh, story of Mary Magdalene. It's the life of Jesus based on the Genesis Project, as well as the story of Jesus, which is more targeted for children, but nevertheless the same video. So um, I'll get that out to you, as well as a couple other DVDs and a couple other books, okay? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Please pray for his wife and young children. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, and, and uh, you know, I'm going to send an extra one of these movies uh, to you to give to them, okay? Appreciate that. 
Okay, yeah, the 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 Jesus movie. I want you to 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 get that. Maybe look at it and then and then give them their copy of it because I think it'll really help um explain a lot of things. What 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 sin does to us as human beings, it just destroys us. And so stay in line. Shasta, we'll get you taken care of, okay? Thank you so much. Blessings to you, and uh, we don't talk to you again before. Merry Christmas. Let's go to Kevin in Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Um, my question's about, um, I'm a new, new Christian, the uh, rapture, the uh, second coming, tribulation. Okay. A lot of different ideas. Well, I think there's a lot of different ideas because you you unless you look at the entirety of the Bible that does the commentary on Revelation, I think you can get all kinds of crazy ideas. I think if you read the Bible in context and using uh scripture to verify other scripture, I think it, it's pretty pretty sound. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, as in the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They were eating, drinking, marrying, and given in marriage. It was party time. You go back and look at Genesis 6, the world that was, that perished in the flood. It was all about sin. It was all about indulgence. It was all about self. And God destroyed the entire earth because of that. Now, again, um, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and given in marriage is what Jesus said about uh, Genesis chapter 6. Very clear. Jesus says the best commentary on the book of, of Genesis chapter 6 of anybody in the world. Now, when you look at the second coming of Christ, though, it isn't uh, eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage. It's mere survival. Uh, the Every living thing in the ocean has died. All the trees and the shrubs and the plants are burned up. Food, famine is everywhere. There, uh, no food, famine is everywhere. Uh, cataclysmic um, uh, disasters falling on the earth as this is the wrath of God being poured out. You see, right now, it's like that. It's the time of eating, drinking, marrying, and be married. They didn't realize that they were just literally days away from an impending world judgment. As in the days of Noah were, so shall it be today. People are eating, drinking, marrying. They don't realize they're just maybe days, years away from this great judgment that will fall on the whole earth called the tribulation period. Now, the book of Revelation tells us that the Antichrist sets his name up in the temple, a picture of himself or his image in the temple in Jerusalem, three and a half years into this devastating period of time um, called the Tribulation Period. The Antichrist, three and a half years, declares to the world, he's God, must be worshipped as God. And then the Bible says that the real Messiah will come three and a half years from that point. So we know when the second coming of Christ is. But the rapture of the church, we don't know. No one knows, only his Father in heaven. I believe this is really important that we understand this, because the second coming of Christ is clearly outlined. It's three and a half years from the abomination which makes desolate in the middle of the tribulation period. 
But the rapture of the church, we don't know when it is. Jesus just said this, watch and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. Jesus said, behold, I come as a thief. What does a thief come for? Valuables. Does he come for your gold and silver? No. Jesus has that, paves the streets with it in heaven. But he's coming for us, his bride. And I believe this is why the Bible says that the second coming or is at the end of the tribulation period, but the rapture of the church can be at any time. It doesn't necessarily start the tribulation period, but I believe it's not too far off when Jesus, concerning the saints, said, you are salt, you're light. You're the salt of the earth, light of the world. When we're gone, I believe it's going to leave a power vacuum in which the Antichrist and the devil will more gl- most gladly uh, desire to fill in. Your thoughts? Yeah, that was great, Mike. And, you know, it's it's important to understand, you know, um, when you look at especially the New Testament, um, and you see there is a clear difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming, Kevin. And here's what you have to understand. The, 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 the coming of Jesus Christ, okay, because Jesus is coming literally and physically to this earth. And what's interesting is his coming is going to be in two phases. It's going to, it's going to come, it's going to happen in two ways. The first one is the rapture where Jesus comes in the clouds and we go to meet him in the air. Uh, believers do. And those that have died in, in Christ, um, it's at the time of the rapture that the resurrection of the dead will happen. The resurrection of the dead believers will take place at that time. So the resurrection of those who have died as part of the church, that's going to occur at the rapture. And we can see that in First Thessalonians chapter four. It makes it very clear. Um, and then the second phase of the second of the coming of Jesus is the actual second coming where Jesus comes and he comes with the clouds, but he comes to the earth and sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. And that's what the Bible tells us both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But there are some clear differences, and I'm, I'm going to give you some just real fast because um, I think Mike did a great job of explaining this. Uh, the rapture very clearly occurs before the tribulation, um, and there's lots of scriptures that tell us this. Romans 4, uh, Revelation 3.10, Romans 5.9, 1 Thessalonians 5.9. The second coming occurs after the tribulation. You can see that in Revelation 19 very clearly. In the rapture, Jesus comes for his saints. He comes for the believers. In the second coming, he comes with his saints. In the rapture, Jesus comes as far as the clouds, as I said, in the second coming. He actually comes to the earth. In the rapture, Jesus is coming to deliver believers from the coming tribulation. In the second coming, Jesus is coming to judge unbelievers who have went through the tribulation. And then the rapture will be a a secret event that only those who have a relationship with him will know about and be part of. But the second coming will be visible to everyone on the earth. And with each one of these points, there's tons of scriptures that we could give you on these. Uh, The rapture is imminent. That means the rapture could happen at any moment. But the second coming, as Mike said, the second coming cannot occur until certain end time events happen. Uh, when you read Daniel chapter 12, he tells us exactly when Jesus is coming the second time and relates it all to the abomination of desolation. So uh, that's another difference in the rapture. Uh, the rapture is for the church. Jesus is coming to get the church. And in the second coming, Jesus is actually coming in the second coming to the earth 
to set up his kingdom, and he's coming to save the nation of Israel. So there's some differences there. And so as you go through the scriptures, you'll see that the rapture and second coming are definitely two distinct, different events and part of Jesus coming, but there's, it's in two phases, the rapture and then the second coming. And, and they all have different purposes or both of them have different purposes. So Mike. Amen. So, uh, I hope that, uh, shed some light on it for you, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only confusion I have left, if I ask you one more quick thing was, uh, the rapture, it says that he's coming for believers and for de- or dead believers. And then I thought like when you died, you immediately went, if you were a believer, you, you know, you're immediately in heaven after you die. Right. And- what you're talking about there is where Paul says the dead in Christ will rise first. Mm-hmm. Then those who are alive and remain are transformed moment, twinkling of an eye, and we'll all be caught up to be with him in the air. Now, I don't believe anybody that's a Christian that's died is lacking anything in heaven. To be absent from the body, Paul says, is to be present uh, with the Lord. The idea, the concept of soul sleep is not in the Bible. That is a culty idea. We remember Jarius um, um, came to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, my daughter is grievously ill. Will you come? And while he's talking to Jesus Jarius' daughter's uh, uh, servants came and said, don't trouble the master, your daughter has died. Jesus said, let's go anyway. So they went to the house. The mourners were out there wailing and crying, uh, as they probably thought the little girl was going to die. Anyway, he said, she's not dead, she's only sleeping. Well, speaking of her body, not of her spirit. Jesus prays for her, and the Bible says this, and her spirit returned to her. It does not say her spirit woke up inside of her. We find the same thing in the Old Testament, First Kings, when Elijah prayed for a little boy. When he prayed, who was dead, he prayed for him, and the Bible says his spirit returned to him. Very important. When a person dies, it's a Christian. I believe their spirit goes and is with the Lord, just as the Bible says. Their flesh, their body is left behind, and thus we have cemeteries full of caskets and dead bodies. But I believe that when we rule and reign with Christ on this earth for a thousand years, getting back to the second coming of Christ, we're going to need a tangible body like Jesus had, where he could vanish out of their sight, yet he could be touched, he could eat food, all those great things. So I believe the dead in Christ, just their spirit reunites with their uh, glorified body, and we're all in heaven together. Coming up on a break, we'll have more right after this. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills And it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. 
If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. All of us at CSN want to thank you for your financial support. And as the year comes to an end, we'd like you to consider making a special year-end donation above your regular gift. Your gift helps CSN to spread the good word around the world. The gift of hope and salvation through biblical teaching, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Be sure to give before midnight on December 31st so that you can receive the tax benefits for 2021. You can give now at csnradio.com or call 1-800-357-4226. We thank you in advance for any prayers and support that you're able to give at this important time. Again, to donate, visit csnradio.com or call 1-800-357-4226. And we want to welcome you back to part two of Jeremy Man and Answer here with Scott Parker. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And um, when we went to the break, we were just talking about how uh, our bodies will be reunited with our spirit that's with the Lord, to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. But why doesn't our flesh go to heaven at that time? Well, because the Bible clearly says our our bodies are under a curse. That's why they get old, they get sick. They only live to be maybe, well, not more than probably 120. Uh, you're pretty much done. Uh, this is because it's under a curse. But the curse will be lifted, and uh, once again, we're going to get a glorified body. Those that have died in faith before us, they get theirs at the rapture, and we get ours transformed in a moment, twinkling of an eye. This corruption will put on incorruption, and we look forward to that forever. Hope that answers your question for you. God bless you, and... Um, I think we lost you, but if you call back, we'll be sure to get you out uh, the Jesus movies that we're giving away right now. Let's go to Jan, Bend, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hello. I'm wondering about Daniel 7.25. Yes. It says, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Yeah. And I'm wondering what that means, change time and law. I know that in Daniel 2.21, Daniel says that only God is in control of that. But w- what does it mean? Well, the Antichrist, when he comes, and that's what you're speaking of here, he will make war against the saints. He will speak blasphemous words, pompous words against the God of heaven. And I believe because of his demonic influence, you got to realize that all of our calendars are based upon the Judeo-Christian count. Uh, count. That's why we have uh, 2022 right now. And we're already seeing it a lot in the archaeological world, where they say, well, this is uh, 200 BCE. Well, where did BCE come from? 
Well, when you say B.C., most people always understood it to mean before Christ. Anno Domini, A.D. Well, they've changed all that. So uh, uh, before Common Era. Well, isn't that a stupid thing to say? What's Common Era then? Well, it still dates back to B.C., but they changed the name of it so it's not offensive to non-believers. You see, this is one of the great problems that you find with foolishness is they try to scrap all the things that have been learned. This is what the Antichrist is going to do. He'll think to change times, and and I believe this is part of his um, reframing or reforming or uh, redefining the world. Now, we see a lot of it going on right now. We see these different TV programs on uh, some of the public broadcasting stations. And unfortunately, they ought to wait till that generation that knows the truth dies off before they try to change history. Because this is what a lot of times they're doing, and they're reframing America. A lot of what they're reporting simply just isn't true. And if you were alive, you know what really happened to cause those problems, not what they're Re, you know, retelling the story to bring you to the wrong conclusion. Again, this is part of the dumbing down of America that has been so successful. Remember, the dumbing down of America is what to think, not how to think. How to think, you look at the logic of everything, you look at all those things, and you come to a conclusion. That is, that is not what they want. They want you to be told whatever it is, and you mindlessly accept what they say. Again, not how to think, but what to think. The dumbing down of America. Friends, it's been a tremendous success. And um, so I believe the Antichrist is going to be able to work right into this, because again, we're not taught to challenge things. You see, I came from a generation, and I remember one of the statements in the late 60s, question everything. Well, that's not the way it is now. You accept whatever the American mindless news media tells us, and, and they lie to us daily. They said this last election was full of corruption, mailbags thrown out on the way up to, to San Jose in the ravines. Those votes never counted. All, all this, I, I, again, the, these people that got handfuls of mail-in ballots in their mailboxes, all this kind of stuff. Again, instead of saying, wow, that doesn't seem right. Maybe we ought to have people vote in person and show an ID so there's no cheating going on. No, no, you are told what to think. Everything was honest. You will do as you are told. Step in line. I believe the Antichrist is being set up right now so people will will believe whatever this guy says. And so to change times and season, he may even reset the calendar. It may not be 2022 anymore. It may be a, the dawning of the age of Aquarius. It's the all-new year 01. Well, why is that? Well, because you're dating your calendar from Christ. So the devil doesn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. He wants to deny his very existence. So I, I believe that this is going to be very effective, and especially with the mindset of the world, without the cognitive, 
ability to rationally think. And this is where I believe the problems come in. This is why the SAT scores in America have plummeted. Well, our schools need more money. They need more money. Give them more money. And the SATs go farther and farther down. Why is that? It's because what they're teaching them. Not how to think, but what to think. And so I believe the idea of this man coming on the world scene to change everything we know about time, seasons, customs, all those things, that's all going to be reset. Your thoughts? Yeah, exactly, Mike. And we're already seeing that already in our world. And as Mike said, it's already being set up. And Jan, another way too uh, to interpret this and look at this, um, and Mike's exactly right. And what's interesting is from Daniel chapter seven, it's it's speaking there the the he there who's speaking these pompous words against God and who wants to change all these things. This is the little horn, uh, as it's as it's as he's described there, which is the Antichrist. If you come over two more chapters, you come to Daniel chapter nine. The angel Gabriel gave Daniel some understanding about the end times, and here's what he said in Daniel 9.27, because in Daniel 9.27, it has everything to do with what the Antichrist is going to do in the second half of the tribulation to the nation of Israel. So when you're reading back there in Daniel 7.25, and it says that, you know, he's going to uh, that he's going to make war with the saints and he's going to do this to the saints. The, the saints that are being spoken of there particularly is the nation of Israel. And so when you come over to chapter nine, what you see is it says that in verse 27, it says he shall make a covenant or confirm a covenant. The word covenant there literally means a peace treaty. He's going to make a peace treaty with the nation of Israel. And it says for one week and one week there, uh, th- those are, th- those are actually uh, prophetic weeks, which equals seven years. So the Antichrist is going to make a peace treaty with the nation of Israel for seven years, a certain amount of time. And then it says, but in the middle of the week, at the three and a half year point, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Sacrifice and offering, yeah, what will happen is the temple in Jerusalem will be rebuilt by this time. And the Jews will resume their worship according to the law of Moses at the temple that I believe that the Antichrist will either build for them or at least give them permission and help to build. But what they will do is they will go back to their law and they will obey their law. But what he's going to do is in the middle of the week, so he sets a certain amount of time where he's like with the nation of Israel, like we're going we're gonna to have peace. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to defend you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be all for you. But in the middle of that time, in the middle of that week, at the three and a half year period, he's then going to to tell them they can no longer obey the law that they have from the Lord. So that's another way to look at it as you go two chapters ahead and see what the what the Antichrist is going to do to the nation of Israel. Again, it fits that same description in 725 that he's going to he's going to change times, he's going to change try to change the law and 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 do this sort of thing to the nation of Israel. So that's also another way to look at that as what the Antichrist is going to do to the saints and speaking of the saints, the nation of Israel because once this happens, once the abomination of desolation happens if you go to if you go to Matthew chapter 24 you will see that Jesus tells his disciples and speaking to the Jewish people he says hey when this happens when the abomination of desolation happens which Jesus in his time says it hasn't happened yet it's still going to be future he says when it happens he tells the nation of Israel 
literally head for the hills. <laughs> he, he's like head for the city of Petra. You, you need to take off and you need to go uh, because the Antichrist is is going to be coming after you. And so uh, that's that's another way to kind of put those two scriptures together to help understand what he's saying there as well. Because the Antichrist is, again, speaking against God and then and then coming after God's people. And we see the beginning of that in Revel- or I'm sorry, in Daniel chapter nine, verse 27. Mike. And he will be the world's dictator. So hope that oh, helps yes. him. Thank you so much. Well, God bless you. Stay in line, Jan. We'll fix you up. We'll send you out the, the all-new uh, DVD we're, we're giving out. I think you'll really enjoy it. Again, it has Magdalena, the story of Mary Magdalene. It has the life of Jesus, which is great for evangelism. And then the story of Jesus, which is really good for kids. Now, these are not cartoons. They are actual done. And what you see in the picture, the colors in the background, the, the, they d- went to extreme measures to make sure it was as absolutely as accurate as they could do. And what you hear primarily read in the life of Jesus is simply the book of Luke being read to you. So it's really good, acted out. It's perfect. It's it's not hokey in any way. And uh, we'll give that to you today for calling in as well as God of Wonders, Evolution versus God, 101 Last Days Prophecies, and a little book called Time to Grow. Jan, stay online. We'll get those to you, okay? Thank you so much. Well, Merry Christmas to you. I'm so glad you called. And if there's anything else we can do, please let us know, okay? Have you? Can I ask you one real quick sure. question? Have sure, you ever sure, heard sure. of the book, of a book called Life After Google? No. Well, have you? Yes. You, if, if, no, I have not. If in that, it it explains exactly what all of the technical people believe and think. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there. <laughs> hey, we just turned on a, a Christian rock radio station in Bend, Oregon. If you have a chance, check it out. I think you might enjoy it. Um, and uh, just look up Effect, E-F-F-E-C-T, EffectRadio.com. Look for stations listed, and you'll find it there in Bend, Oregon. Hope that helps. much. All right. God bless you. Merry Christmas to you. And with that, we will go back to the phones. We have James on the line, Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi. Yes, I was calling in reference to a um, a dream that I had um, that I believe that God gave me and um, has been really pressed on my heart. I've had it uh, about two months ago, but it's been on my mind constantly, something I need to act on. I just wanted to get your, your input on it and um, also kind of share as a I guess a warning to others, um, a warning about um, kind of a false sense of security that people can have. But um, so in my dream, um, I'm in this house and it's like an old country style house, square house with a, a porch on all sides, windows on all sides. And I'm inside this home with uh, my family. And then I get the sense that there's a lot of other people in the home. It feels like they're family, but I don't know who they are. Um and I'm looking out this window, and outside the windows, I see a lawn that's about maybe 30 feet out from the house, and the lawn is perfect. But on the edge of the lawn, it's a square lawn around the house. It's a very thick jungle, um, so thick you can't even see you know, a foot into the jungle. And um, I know that there's, um, in the dream, I know there's this um, man-eating tiger that's roaming this jungle looking to... Um, to attack and there's a warning system that lets us know that this 
tiger is about to come, but you can't see it because it's right on the edge of the jungle. And so I'm telling the people in the um, in the house, I'm like, hey, we, you know, this this tiger is coming to get us. We need to prepare and make sure all the windows are closed. And uh, they go, oh yeah, we're fine. You know, windows are shut. We're all good. And um, well, the alarm goes off and says the tiger has approached our border. And so I look out, start looking at the windows, and all the windows have the drapes covering. So I open up the first drapes, and the window's wide open, just wide open. And I kind of yell to the other people in the house. I'm like, what do you mean we're safe? This window's wide open. That guy, you know, that tiger's going to come right in. So I close that window, close the um, the window, the curtains, the, the shades, everything in front of it, lock it. And I go to the next one, open up the curtains, and the window's half open. And I close that one all the way. And then I go to the next window, and it's closed, but it's unlocked. And the... Uh, drapes are open and you know it it has the appearance that it's locked but it's not and so i'm telling the other people in the home like hey like this enemy is real he's coming to get us we have to make sure the all windows are completely locked completely shut shades drawn shit you know every layer we can get we've got to get it protected and uh, when i get to the next window it's shut and i look out and i see the tiger has entered in the lawn area and it's pacing around the house, just looking for an opening. And um, that's kind of what the so devil, was, the Bible says, the devil does. He's a roaring lion going about seeking whom he can devour. You know what you're describing, really, is the the uh, sixth church in Revelation, um, the Laodicean church. Tell us about it, Scott. Yeah, well, what that church, you know, that was a church that literally left Jesus on the outside of it. That was a church that Jesus actually said about it, which it's amazing uh, that uh, Jesus told the church at Laodicea, he said that you make me sick. He, he literally said that. He said that, you know, you, you, uh, you're, you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, um, I will spew you out of my mouth. And so it was a church that was confident in itself, it was confident in what it had. In fact, Jesus said that that church said in its heart that we have everything we need and we need nothing. And them needing nothing uh, was including Jesus, because when you read in Revelation chapter three, there toward the end, you'll find out that uh, the church at Laodicea um, left Jesus on the outside. He's on the outside of the church, knocking, wanting to get in. And you know, Mike, it's interesting um, because again, that's that's the church of uh, the church that I believe is going to be uh, very descriptive of the church in the last days, uh, which we're seeing it all around us. And I think it's interesting too because this is a church who felt so secure, uh, like they didn't need anything; they had it all together. You know, they don't even need the Lord to do the ministry; they can do it just fine themselves. But Jesus on the outside. And so they have they have a sense of security, but yet Jesus is like, you don't know that you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. I mean, he had such words of of correction for them in that way. And uh, you know, and, and giving them a warning. But the good news is he says, Hey, I'm still at the door knocking, and if you open it and let me in, you know, then they can they can have this wonderful relationship with him and spend eternity with him. But Mike, you know what I was thinking when he was explaining all this? It sounds to me like 
um, in this in this dream or vision that it's like an admonition or an exhortation to remain in Christ. You know, Jesus, Jesus told us that without him in John chapter 15, we can do nothing. And that fits exactly what Mike is talking about with the uh, church at Laodicea. And what's interesting is, uh, you know, Jesus tells us to abide in him. And the word abide means to stay. It means to remain. And the only place that we are safe from the enemy is when we as believers, if we've been truly born again, the only safe place for us from the roaring lion who tries to, as Mike said, seek and devour us. And in this case, in your dream, a tiger, the only way we're safe from that is to remain in Christ. And that means to remain in fellowship and to remain in, 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 in walking with him and serving him and walking with him very closely. And so that's, that's kind of what I was getting as you were sharing all that. So Mike, what yeah, and, and so James, no, I think that's a pretty good little story. You know, I think a lot of uh, people today, they're leaving the windows open, letting uh, mm-hmm. any weird doctrine, any any falsism that's in there uh, come through. And uh, when you think about that, and then you think about uh, the uh, Church of Laodicea, they uh, seemed like they let everything into the church except Jesus. Jesus was on the mm-hmm. outside of the church. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. What's he doing on the outside of the church? He's supposed to be in the church. Well, I think this is where the old thing goes, old saying goes, you're so open-minded, uh, your brain's all leaked out. Uh, I think that this is one of the problems that we find today. I'm cool, you're cool, let's all groove together, cuckoo, cuckoo, you know, kind of idea of this love thing, baby. Well, that's not what the Bible says. And again, when you listen to these verses that are out of context, Greg Laurie uh, today did a very good expose on a couple of verses that Worldly people uh, will quote, if they can quote a verse, it's judge not lest you be judged. That's the first thing um, they'll say. And the second one is he without sin cast the first stone. Well, the problem is those are out of context. You have to understand that there is a standard in which God abides by. There is a standard in which God has called us as Christians to abide by. When we don't, uh, when we don't line up with that, that doesn't mean God doesn't love us. That means we just simply repent and move on from where we are. But the problem today that we're finding is that, uh, people are just letting anything come in. Oh, you're into, you know, uh, transcendental meditation. Well, you know, it's the same as prayer, just with a different name. No, it's not. Well, you believe in God, I believe in God, you know, your God's a light bulb, mine's, you know, something out there beyond the stars, you know, uh, but we all believe in the same God. That's what the Pope said a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Nothing more wrong ever than what he said. Well, we all worship the same God at this uh, seven conference that he was at. No, 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 Pope, we don't. We don't worship the same God. In fact, the Bible very clearly says, Paul says, in the last days, they're going to come preaching another, a different Jesus than the one I've told you. Stay away from them. This is one of the great problems that we're finding today. And so, yeah, open windows, a lot of bad stuff comes in through windows, from mosquitoes to uh, blood-sucking bats to who knows what. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. Kind of interesting uh, uh Dream, James, and um, I, I know God does talk to us in dreams. He says that in Acts chapter 2. 
Stay on the line, James. We'll send you out a couple of books, DVDs. Again, the three Jesus films, Magdalena, uh, the um, the life of Jesus, and the story of Jesus. Uh, all real, none, none of it's cartoons. It's all filmed on location. And uh, excellent, excellent. We'll send that to you. I think you'll really enjoy it. James, thanks so much for the call. Thank you. God bless you. Let's go to Ian, Oregon. Ian, welcome. Hi, um, my question is, um, I've heard that um, the unpardonable sin, the rejection or the uh, uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I've heard that that is the rejection of the Holy Spirit. And I'm wondering if you guys have any scripture to back that up. Yeah, it says that exact thing in Matthew twelve thirty-one, And I'll just read it for the benefit of all of our listeners as well. Wherefore, I say to you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost will not be forgiven unto men. Now, here's what we have to remember about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what convicts us of our sins. And people will play games with God sometimes their whole life. God will say, repent. You need to repent. You need to get out of the lifestyle you're in. You're on the wrong road. And they'll keep doing it and keep doing it. They keep shining the Holy Spirit on, blasphemy. The word blasphemy here, probably a a modern-day vernacular, is the shining on of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit comes, you don't want to have anything to do with it, you just ignore him. That's blasphemy. Yeah, Because the Holy Spirit's trying to get us to repent. Well, if you die in your sins, you will die in eternity. Your sins will not be forgiven. And just as it says here, all sins will be forgiven. But you get rid of of the only convicting force in this world, the Holy Spirit, you will die in your sins and you will be eternally separated from God. Your thoughts, Scott? Yeah, and I think it's evidenced in the next verse, verse 32. Jesus said, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, that's him. He said, you can speak against me, and guess what? And it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him in this age of the age to come. So what Jesus is saying is this. Jesus is telling the Jews in his day, especially the Pharisees and these men who were who were saying he wasn't the Messiah, what he was saying to them was this. You can speak against me. But when the Holy Spirit, when I, you know, when, when he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes, if you reject the Holy Spirit, God isn't sending anyone else from heaven to the earth to draw you to himself. God is not sending, you know, anyone else uh, to convince you that Jesus is the Messiah. And so that's the point he was making there. Ian, stay in line. We're out of time. I hope that answers it for you. I'll send you out a whole bunch of VD, uh, uh, DVDs and, and uh, uh, books. I think you'll really enjoy it. Stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. Thanks, Scott, for being on. Look forward mm-hmm. to being back with you. If you didn't get on today, college back will put you on first thing. And so until then, may the Lord keep you in his love. God bless you and good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. 
The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 